Hi, it's Jamie. And I'm Portia. And we are Just Two Pearls. Join us for Adventures in Pearls. I'm going to read a reflection today from Sadia Hartman's book, which is called Lose Your Mother. For Europeans, race established a hierarchy of human life, determined which persons were expendable, and selected the bodies that could be transformed into commodities. For those chained in the lower decks of a slave ship, race was both a death sentence and the language of solidarity. The vision of an African continental family or a stable race standing shoulder to shoulder was born by captives, exiles, and orphans, and in the aftermath of the Atlantic slave trade. Racial solidarity was expressed in the language of kinship because it both evidenced the wound and attempted to heal it. The slave and the ex-slave wanted what had been severed, kin. Those in the diaspora translated the story of race into one of love and betrayal. Thus ends the reading. So, um, Jamie, because it's the fall and it's fall season, and we're talking about Andrew and Freedom Notes and his reflections on faith justice and the possibility of democracy, I'm reflecting on summer. You know, I low-key kind of want summer to come back. Not to say that I'm not enjoying my pumpkin spice lattes, and I'm enjoying my pumpkin donuts from Dunkin', you know. They're not paying me to say that, but I'm enjoying their donuts uh, by a lot. And so um, I am enjoying the fall, but I really miss the summer, and this is why. You know, during the summer, I went to see all these amazing fireworks shows. You know, I saw the Macy's fireworks from New Jersey, where I just happened to be planted on that day, and I saw the a fantastic firework display that New Jersey does put on in Jersey City. I went down to the boardwalk at Coney Island in Brooklyn to see their firework display. Like, I just love fireworks. And so I kind of miss the fireworks because fireworks season is only, like, the summer. But I was just thinking to myself, like, I really miss fireworks. And so, um, yeah, so Last, this past summer, I really took some time to just go search and find good firework displays. And so I did that, and I enjoyed myself. Every single time I saw fireworks, I just had a moment. Um, They just bring me so much joy, just the big, booming colors. Last year, the summer before this past summer, I went to Disney World, and I saw some awesome fireworks. And um, every now and then, um, I saw fireworks from my apartment, in uh, New Jersey where I could see firework displays from just people locally shooting off fireworks and I can see it from my house. So I had a great time this past summer searching for fireworks and unfortunately because it's, you know, like cold, <laughs> cold-ish, uh, there's no firework displays right now, but um, I'm looking forward to when the fireworks season is back. Uh, I feel like if I maybe make my way down to – what's that place called, like to Florida, there's probably some fireworks, or I just have to wait it out, you know, another month and some change, Jamie, you know, till like Christmas time, Christmas time's on the way, but let's not rush through the fall, 
Um, but, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, New Year's Eve, there's going to be some fireworks somewhere. Somebody might be shooting some off. I don't know if people will be standing outside for them, but I'm sure there will be some fireworks displayed somewhere that I can probably catch on TV somewhere. I'll probably be in worship, watch night service, because, you know, that's the life I live, y'all. But in any case, that's my adventure of the day. I want to share my love for fireworks and how this past summer I searched for fireworks, and I'm low-key kind of missing them. I guess, Portia, you already kind of did our transition for us, which is telling the folks that today we talked to the Reverend Andrew Wilkes, and we talked to him about his book, which is available now. It's called Freedom Notes, so go ahead and grab your copy so that you will be able to support him and his work. And so also you can get some great insight into some of the things that we are discussing on this episode today. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation with, with Andrew. How about you, Portia? Yeah, I did too. You know, Andrew has a lot of wisdom, and he's really smart, and he's quite really, he's really dope, you know. Um, so I enjoy just our conversations, and I don't even want to tell y'all too much about it because guess what? We want y'all to listen. If we spoil it, then what good is it? So non-hashtag spoiler alert. So go listen to the rest of this episode where we're talking to Andrew. Pearls, we are back with another great interview for you today, and joining us on this episode, we have Andrew Wilkes, Reverend Andrew soon-to-be Dr. Andrew J. Wilkes is an associate <laughs> pastor, public speaker, writer, and husband. He is the husband of our dear friend, Reverend Gabby Kojo Wilkes. He is a graduate of Hampton University, Princeton Theological Seminary, and the Coral Fellowship in Public Affairs. He is a former executive director of the Drum Major Institute in New York City, he formerly served as the associate co-pastor to young adults at the Greater Allen AME Cathedral in Queens, New York. He is an Atlanta native. He is an inaugural member of the Prophetic Preaching Lab founded by Otis Moss III in partnership with Auburn Seminary. He is currently a Ph.D. candidate in political science at the CUNY Graduate Center. He lives in Harlem, New York. And you can follow him, which we will repeat this, you can follow him at Andrew J. Wilkes on all social media platforms. And today we are discussing his book as he is the author of Freedom Notes, Reflections on Faith, Justice, and the Possibility of Democracy. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome to this show, Andrew J. Wilkes. Oh, my. Thank you so much for having me on Just Two Pearls. It is an honor to be uh, in conversation with you all. This is such a, a rich space for dialogue and conversation, and you just really elevate the, the public conversation, uh, not only for your listeners, but for all those who share and our, our new listeners. And It just reverberates so widely. So thank you. It's a, it's a joy to be with you all. Thank you. We're so glad that you could join us. And so, Andrew, we would just like to ask you, um, just to start off, this text, Freedom Notes, Reflections on Faith, Justice, and the Possibility of Democracy, which we know all the pearls are going to get themselves a copy as this text is out now. It's officially out. We want everyone to get their copy so they can understand what we're talking about. Uh, Andrew, could you tell us, why now? Why write this beautiful collection of essays that you have, that you have um, compiled over the years of your 
eloquent and just very thoughtful writing. Um, why now? Why is this text so important to where we are now? And um, I'm really interested in even hearing about what this possibility of democracy is. You know, I, I really think that um, when we think about uh, the state of our common life, uh, so much of the world we live in is, is really not characterized by freedom. It's probably better characterized by unfreedom. And so uh, the idea of Freedom Notes reflections on faith, justice, and the possibility of democracy is really um, a couple of things. The first is it's about making sure that we use our power and our perspective to move towards freedom as deeply as we can. And, and one of the core things of the book is that um, you know, we really need to get beyond being exceptions to the rule and change the rules which produce the need for exceptions in the first place. And so the book is, um, what holds it together, is really trying to get beyond that kind of exceptionalism. And, and by exceptionalism, I mean whereby, um, you know, uh, this kind of talented 10th notion uh, that Du Bois talks about, uh, the Negro race, like every other race, will be saved by uh, its talented 10th. And for him, the talented 10th were all men. And so we need to get past the patriarchy, get past this idea that, that some of us will deliver uh, all of us and instead recognize that um, the spirit has imbued and endowed all of us with aptitudes and abilities that we can use uh, to advance the common good and to tilt uh, this fractured common life, which only occasionally approximates a democracy. If we put all of our gifts, all of our genius together, uh, we can actually tilt this nation a little bit closer towards democracy. That's, that's what Freedom Notes is about. And hopefully it speaks to this moment. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for releasing it. And it seems like it really is such an apt text for such a time as this. Um, so let's talk a little bit as we get started, Andrew. One thing that I think you and yourself together are known for is, of course, your ministry there in New York City, um, but also the commitment that both of you have to just not only loving each other, which is important, I think we can talk about that, but also just to the larger concept of black love, which reaches outside of just heterosexual romantic relationships, and to the larger idea of just black folks loving each other. Why do you think the idea of black love is so important um, in this particular context in which we find ourselves, you know, I think it's also a historically important thing, but why do you think it's so important to this particular moment? You know, I think black love is important for this particular moment. Uh, whether we're talking about um, heterosexual couples, whether we're talking about uh, same-gender loving couples, whatever the particular context may be, I think love anywhere it is found uh, is sacred. Uh, that the idea that we can be human, be tender, uh, honest with one another uh, in the kind of intimate regions of, of uh, a loving relationship it's so rare, and I think it deserves celebrating. Uh, there's a chapter in Freedom Notes uh, called Appreciation for the Sacred Dance of Marriage, where I try to suggest that it's not just the happiness and the health of human relationships at stake, but that there's something sacramental, which is a uh, kind of Christian uh, way of saying that God's presence is specially and, and peculiarly uh, involved in this thing that we call black love. So it's not only our uh, in perfect attempts to love, but there's, uh, we are accompanied by uh, a holy other who dwells in the midst of our attempts to, to be quick to listen, right, and slow to speak, to speak, to be gentle with one another, 
uh, as we fulfill everything that God's placed in our heart. Awesome. You know, I really appreciated that chapter um, and appreciation for the sacred dance of marriage, which is found on page 54 if you have a print copy of the text. And it's just beautifully written. Even though it's not a very long chapter, it it is something that we can appreciate. Um, You say, and I'm going to quote, constructing matrimony as a sacred dance or or a window into heavenly mysteries are, of course, religious descriptions. And I'm like, wow, that's beautiful language right there, Andrew. Um, And so I I really was just like, wow. Um, And then you quote lyrics from Stay With You by John Legend to your wife, Gabriella, which are just, which is just wonderful. I'm just like, that is just the sweetest thing. Um, And it's wonderful that we have examples of millennial black love and millennial relationships that are sacred and holy and um and loving and so I will also shout out the fact that you all were on Yes Girl podcast um and you all shared uh, your your relationship and ministry and working together and so I thank you for that. Um, if I may also say in the text you talk about um, LeBron James and the taste of humble pie, right? Um, you shared this text uh, this piece with us in the book and I'm wondering now um, coming off of uh, LeBron James has now moved to the Lakers, as we will see in this coming season. And we also see that LeBron James, who is one of the greatest athletes of all time in my estimation, but we also see that he has now started his I Promise school. And so if you were to revisit uh, this piece of LeBron James and the Taste of Humble Pie, what would you say now, um, given all of that LeBron James has achieved since writing this piece? You know, I, that's a, a really great point. And a, a part of, um, you know, the, the, the piece in, in, in the book is about acknowledging just that kind of whole uh, dust up, the hurly-burly around the decision. Uh, and if I could make a bit of a, a pivot between uh, the decision, um, the ESPN um, show where LeBron was talking about moving from the Cavaliers to the Heat, and now that he's from the Heat to the Lakers, as, as you know, uh, LeBron has made a conscious uh, really Muhammad Ali F decision to use his privilege, to use his, uh, his resources, his position, uh, to make a substantive difference that's worth unpacking. Uh, the I Promise School uh, not only gives uh, a bike to children, but it, it invests in uh, the education of parents. Uh, it's a partnership with uh, Akron Public Schools, and so he's making a contribution to uh, political and public institutions that uh, are a model for what other uh, public school districts can do across the country. And while there's nothing necessarily wrong with um, independent schools, I, I think it is a much more powerful and easier to replicate model that he has taken his resources and put them into the public school system. And so uh, I think what we can take from uh, a LeBron James, what we can take from a Serena Williams is, is that it's possible to be a black athlete who not only has a social consciousness that comes out in tweets and public statements, but to use, you know, our, you know, the fruit of our, uh, of our material wealth and to make a transformative difference. I think he should be celebrated for that. Awesome. Awesome. And I think what you said about social media is a great pivot to this uh, essay that you have in the book on what Dr. King has to say to millennials. You talk about, you know, right from the first sentence, you say millennials want to be drum majors. You bring up these examples of Zuckerberg, um, LeBron James, uh, Beyonce. You know, I think there are so many other uh, examples. 
and you kind of talk about what it looks like for us today to be drum majors. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about what it looks like for millennials to be not only leaders on social media, which I think we've accomplished, you know, I think we can also extend this now. Portia and I have discussed a lot on this show, Generation X, the generation behind us, uh, these kids who are 18 and 19, they're taking to the streets, uh, they're getting involved in protest. Uh, what does it look like for us to be real catalysts for change, not just on the Internet, but also, you know, in our real-life encounters? That's a, a really, really great question. Um, and I think it's uh, a question which can't be answered once and for all, but it has to be answered continually uh, in context, which is to say wherever uh, folks are as they're listening to us on, on Just Two Pearls, uh, we have to raise a couple of questions that I lift up in that chapter, what Dr. King has to say to millennials. And, and the, the first question that I lift up is, um, are we standing up for children? Uh, and the second question is, are we serving our communities? And those are, are two important questions because it's possible to focus on uh, getting our coins and focus on making a name for oneself, but to, to do that in a way that is disconnected from and distant from uh, the health and the well-being uh, of our kids that's distant from the health and well-being of our communities. And so a part of this whole drum major idea is that King recognizes that there's a desire to want to, to stand out, a desire to want to, to be excellent. Uh, you mentioned social media, uh, a desire to, to perhaps, I don't know, maybe every now and again say something that, that trends and blesses folks. But, but the deeper desire and objective, I think, can be what are we doing to be, uh, King says, a, a drum major, uh, if you want to say I was a drum major, say I was a drum major for righteousness, say I was a drum major for justice, and all these other shallow things won't matter. And so for, for millennials, for Generation Z uh, coming behind us, I think the question is how can we use our gifts, not only as individuals, but uh, to uh, come together as, 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 uh, as womanist theologians say and to create a quilt of justice because justice is indivisible, it's intersectional, and what that means is if, I am uh, a writer, how can we come up with essays together for justice? If uh, I'm an attorney, how can we be, you know, public interest attorneys for justice? If I am uh, a home health care worker, how can we, uh, as folks are doing with Domestic Workers United, come together and, and fight for unions and collective bargaining to make sure that our, our labor has dignity? That there's always a multiplier effect when we take um, the means at our disposal and we come together with others to see uh, the kind of glorious, just future that God can etch together uh, when we have what King would call this kind of inescapable garment of mutuality that is our kind of understanding of ourselves. Wow, Andrew. I, I'm just, like, really blown away um, by that response. And I think that um, I, I, I would even co-sign, you know, um, what Dr. West is kind of saying about how um, you are one of the most organic intellectuals of our generation. Um, I really, I will co-sign with that. I'm definitely believing in that um, even more as I engage you and I hear you speak and just even just the thoughtfulness of your, um, of your responses. And so, um, yes, uh, kudos and bravo to you, Andrew. Uh, I'm, I'm interested also, um, you come right out the gate swinging, and um, this will be uh, my last question um, in terms of, like, the content that's in the book because I really want people to read it for themselves, of course. Um, we want you to purchase that pearl, so don't forget to uh, go get that book uh, ASAP. Um, but you come out the gate with sexist 
spectacle, an open letter to black clergy. Now, I don't want to go too deep on it because I really do want people to read it. But given that, so, Pearl, this is where I want you to uh, go read it, and I want you to come back because I'm going to ask Andrew, Andrew, what, given what we have seen over the last few months and even within the last year um, with sexism in the black church and misogyny in hip-hop culture, what also can you add to this article, to this piece of chapter text? What else could you add? And what else would you say? Or even if there's something that you think maybe even differently, what, what would you say, um, given some things uh, since the publication has been released? You know, this is a, a really interesting um, question and, and, a, and a question that, that's worth um, sitting with again and again. I think so much of the work of freedom comes when we have the, the courage to sit with and, and uh, questions of the sort that, that you just rose, because sexism in sanctuaries is a, is a deep source of grief, uh, not only for, uh, for, for women, but it ought to be the case for, for, for men, and I think it is a deep source of grief for, for God as well. And so uh, in sexist spectacles, what, what I try to do is to argue that um, when we interpret texts, and, and in many ways sexist spectacles is directed um, significantly but not solely uh, to, to black men in, 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 in ministry, uh, to, to, to colleagues. And, and it's arguing for us to, one, recognize that um, there is an interpretive decision that is made uh, anytime we're reading any text. And we can always opt to read uh, for liberation or we can opt to reinforce uh, the patriarchy and the hierarchy that um, sadly still does not uh, accept, uh, applaud, and affirm women in ministry and pastoring uh, and doing the full range and measure of the gifts that God has, has equipped them to do. Uh, and I think we see that on display in, in so many uh, areas. Um, the, the first thing that I should say to, to, to back up a bit is when, when we see Jesus say something like the double love commandment is to love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself, uh, I'm giving it to you from Matthew's version. And then he says, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. That hang all the law and the prophets suggests that, that Jesus has uh, a reading strategy, a set of spectacles, a paradigm through which all of the, uh, the, the Hebrew Bible is read. And so it's, it's a decision to start from a place of love, to start from a place of, of revolutionary love. So I think it's important uh, for, for, for men in ministry, and I, I'm including myself in that, who are, who are trying to look as deeply as we can from uh, the pollution of toxic masculinity, which leaves no one's hands clean, even uh, as much as, you know, we try our best to, to be an ally. And so the, the question is, how can we uh, do the level best we can with the assistance of the Holy Ghost to take off the sexist, sexist spectacles that are transmitted in our culture at the dinner table, transmitted uh, sometimes through pastor studies, transmitted through um, having a cloud of witnesses that are sometimes only men speaking in ministry, and then move to a way of reading that drinks from the wellspring of uh, biblical scholars uh, like uh, Reverend Dr. Benita Wings, like uh, Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney, uh, and, and countless others who um, are opening our eyes to the full measure of what God is doing uh, in, in creation. And so uh, just lastly, I, I know I may, may be bumping up uh, against time. When, when we think of the queen of soul, uh, Aretha Franklin, um, not 
uh, uh, many moons ago, uh, being eulogized. And the way that um, the Genesis text was, was read about God breathing life into uh, a particular uh, human being, uh, symbolizing the text as, as, as Adam, and uh, a living soul being related, that, that text became a departure point to not eulogize Aretha, but to kind of re-eulogize Theo Franklin. And so Aretha Franklin, at her own funeral, the queen of respect, was subject to a disrespectful interpretive move that was the product of wearing sexy spectacles. Uh, and so I think it's our obligation to um, do the best we can to take off that polluted paradigm and to try to put on a more liberating paradigm uh, because our very lives, our very communities depend on it. Well, amen. Andrew, uh, thank you to you, of course, for your wonderful book. And thank you to you and to your beloved wife, Gabby, who we know from YDS. Shouts out to YDS. Uh, for your example, I think, of exactly what you're talking about right now, you know, not only are the two of you doing what you call the sacred dance of marriage, which is important, but I think you both and, are and also... And that, that sacred mar- dance has a milli rock, I might add. but I think you both are also modeling uh, what it is for men and women to be collaborators and partners in the ministry that must happen in the world today. And I hope that many of the rest of us, whether we are married to ministry partners or not, that we will take seriously the call to be partners with people who are of different mm-hmm. genders, who are different gender identities, of different sexual yeah. orientations, perhaps even sometimes different races, in the sacred dance not only of, you know, romance and love, but also in the sacred dance of what it means to be ministers in the world today. Um, I think yeah. that you and Gabby um, are involved in prophetic work there in uh, New York City, and so we're grateful to you for that. Um, I hope Portia and I are engaged in prophetic work here on this for all, but thank you so much for being on a couple of our partners in this work of what it means to be millennials who are doing ministry. Um, so can you tell our listeners where they can find your awesome book, Freedom Notes? My, my goodness. Thank you all uh, so much for, for having me. It, it really uh, is a signal honor. Uh, you can find Freedom Notes uh, on Amazon. Uh, dot com. You can uh, type in Freedom Notes and you will see it uh, there. And um, I hope that you can, can get it, you know, hashtag Freedom Notes on your favorite uh, social media channels and, and we'll keep the conversation going. And make sure y'all follow Just Two Pearl. And speaking of following, um, we already said it at the beginning of the show, but if you don't mind, it probably bears repeating, where can folks follow you and your social media online? Uh, folks can can follow me uh, at Andrew J Wilkes W I L K E S. Uh, Andrew J Wilkes is the same on uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Andrew Wilkes and uh, would love to engage in uh, dialogue and, and exchange. Fantastic, and we will make sure the Just Two Pearls account is following Andrew J Wilkes. So y'all can also just go to who we are following and follow Andrew. Jay Wilkes. So thank you so much, Andrew, for your incredible book, for spending a little bit of time with us discussing your book. And of course, uh, we are onward toward the cause of freedom. Let's all work together for this cause. So thanks so much, Andrew. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. So that was our conversation with Reverend Andrew Wilkes 
make sure that you head on over to Amazon or wherever it is, you know, the online bookseller that you use and find his book, Freedom Note. It is available now. We want to make sure we've discussed this on the show before that we are celebrating and supporting black creatives, black entrepreneurs, black ministers, you know, just all the stuff that we're into. We want to support you. We want to support your work. We are so grateful that um, Andrew was able to come on Just Two Pearls and to talk about his new book. And if you have something that you're working on, something that's up your sleeve, maybe even an event that you're working on, please let us know. Let us know how we can support you. We want to hear from you because we are all about pursuing the work of freedom. And part of what that looks like is uh, supporting each other. So let's do it. So just to conclude, y'all know what time it is. Let's get right into our petty pearl. So over the summer, y'all, I went up to Lake Tahoe, which is in Northern California, right um, on the edge of Northern California and Northwest Nevada. And it was quite an experience. I really enjoyed my hikes. Not so much the fact that there were so few people of color there, um, eventually, y'all, I didn't get to tell y'all this, on my very last day, right before I left, I was finishing up my hike, and I came down off the mountain, I was almost back to my car, and there in the parking lot, I ran into this black couple, and it was like they were standing there waiting for me, because they asked me <laughs> how to get to the hiking trail, which is the same question that I had been asking myself a couple of hours before. So I was grateful to be able there to be, be there to support my fellow African Americans. And I also wanted to give them a hug and ask them why it took them so long to arrive. Like, why did y'all arrive just as I'm like literally preparing to leave? But anyway, I digress. Part of what I was doing in Lake Tahoe, in addition to hiking, was planning. And, you know, I know the phrase, we make plans and God laughs. Of course, there is a greater plan that God has for each and every one of our lives, and we shouldn't be so bogged down in our personal plans and goals that we can't follow whatever calls the Lord that might be placed on our lives at any given time. At the same time, I think it is petty not to be responsible and not to at least have an idea of what we're trying to have set up for the future. If God has placed a larger calling on your life, Um, a long-term calling on your life, then part of the work that you're called to do is to co-create with God, and part of the way that you do that is through planning. So part of the reason why I went to Lake Tahoe, in addition to hiking, was just because I knew it would be so much quieter than Los Angeles, and it would give me an opportunity to really, after finishing my first year in my grad program, to really constructively think about what it would look like for me to finish on the timeline, and in the way that I would like to finish. And that means, of course, finishing on a particular timeline. um, And when I get out, having an opportunity to pursue like a postdoc opportunity or, you know, setting myself up in the right position to be a good candidate for jobs. And so while I was there, one of the things that I did was I created a five-year plan. And that's something that I've, I don't think I've really sat out and done that in the past. You know, I've kind of done vision boards for the coming year, kind of vague stuff. But it was my first time really sitting down and month by month thinking, okay, if this is what I want by the year 2021, what what do I need to be doing in March of 2019 to make it happen? And I just think that's part of what growing up is all about, part of what being an adult is all about. Maybe you don't need to plan it out month by month like that. I mean, I think it's kind of necessary in something like a PhD program. 
Um, but all of us should be taking the time now, as this year is concluding, to sit down and really plot out what are coming months and even perhaps what the next year looks like. And it doesn't have to be minute by minute, you know, on this particular day, I'm going to get married. On this particular day, I'm going to give birth to my child, unless you know that already. But just giving yourself the freedom of knowing, the freedom of knowing what your goals are, of seeing them written down on a page, and being able to pursue them. And I think as we're becoming adults, as we're maturing, I think it's just petty just to have no idea idea what it is that you would like for your, yourself, that you would like to see happen next. And while you're in that process of planning and preparation, you know, be in prayer, be really thoughtful and conscientious about where God might be speaking in that plan. But certainly, y'all, it's petty just not to plan at all. All right, that's all I got. We'll talk to y'all in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at just 2 pearls. And you can email us at adventures at just2pearls.com. And remember, cultivate the pearl within you.